Good morning. <laughs> What's, up? What's up? Yeah, right. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be like how weird. That's how. That's how you know. Uh, man, we've been on this thing last two, almost two and a half years, huh? Um, yeah. It's definitely a praise. Um, I like that song. You know, talking about the praise of the Lord shall ever be on my lips. And um, it's very interesting because when you think of the communion you have with God, right? This is great. We are not supposed to forsake the meeting of the saints. But you all know that this is not the only place you meet with God, right? Every one of us should be meeting with God all throughout every second of the day because he's omnipresent. You can't get away from him. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing me. Right. And that's that's really what prayer is, is that communication is that line of communication so open that like, you know, you could just be in your bed. There's times where I'm praying for my, my wife and my kids. I'm just laying in bed. I'm not on my knees, but the Lord puts it on my heart. I'm praying for my mom, and my stepdad. I'm praying for someone here in the church. You know, and that's a beautiful thing. That's that whole idea of the praise of the Lord should ever be on your lips and my lips. It's a continual thing. And if when we when we live a lifestyle of prayer, communicating with God, remember, it's that union with God. And it's not only us talking to him, but him here, us hearing from him. We should be hearing from God all the time. And many times it's that still small whisper. I hear I hear a lot all the time. There'll be times and. You know, I run off to Kalos's room and I, I think I have a little bit of free time and I'm trying to get on the computer to work on some beats. And <laughs> Lord's like, get off the computer, <laughs> get off the computer. I know what you're doing is, a, is a, it, it, it's not a bad thing, but get off the computer. It's not the time. And so, again, just this whole idea of, of, of constantly communing with God. And I just I just was thinking about that as I heard, uh, you know, Michelle singing and, and Isaiah playing is a beautiful thing. Um, I'd like to give a quick praise report before we start. I'm just uh, super excited about this. It's been it's been long time coming, you know. But uh, uh, my wife uh, has resigned from her work, <laughs> and uh, that 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 took place about a week and a half ago. And it's something that we've been dodging for a, a very long time. As uh, you know, many of you know, she works in the medical field. People that work in the medical field they make good money, you know. And uh, it's easy to. <laughs> rely on a lucrative income and and have a cushion and be like yeah okay well it's good you know what i'm learning is like you look at all the saints in the bible and it's like the the lord will put you in a position where he's going to test your faith you know faith ain't faith until it's tested faith is not faith genuine faith until it's put to the test and so we've been <laughs> our household has been put in a situation where do we trust in this job? Do we trust in this economy? Do we trust in the dollar bill? Or do we trust in Jesus Christ who raised from the dead and has saved our souls? And so we're, we're doing our best to be obedient and say, Lord, have your way. And I, I can't get into the, all the details. You could talk to Veronica about it if you want to after service. But she literally got pushed out of that situation. The Lord pushed her out of it. There's no way that she could stay in that, in that situation. And, uh, it's a testament to God's faithfulness. Think of Abraham and the Lord told him, go. 
I don't know where I'm going, but Lord, I know you told me to go. And so I share that because I don't know where you're at this morning. But if there's something that you just can't shake and the Lord is just impressed upon your heart to do it, you got to do it. <laughs> you got to do it. It doesn't matter what it looks like to the world, you know, because I, you know, I, I tell certain people at my, my work and they just kind of look at me like, you live in you live in what part of the country? And what? And you make what? And I, I make I'm not I'm not bashing my job. I, I, I really enjoy the work that the Lord has blessed me to do. I don't get paid a lot of money there, you know. So it's not like daddy's bringing in the big bucks and Veronica, you know what I mean, quit because daddy's bringing in the big bucks. No, but the Lord is sustaining us. And, and they look at me like, what? Again, because when you're in the world, you, you don't recognize that the, the Lord operates in ways that are totally contrary <laughs> to, to, to what we think is, 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 is supposed to happen. You know, his economy is totally not the way the world's economy is. So I, I praise God for that. And, I, and, and, and um, we're looking forward to seeing how my wife can be used to be a blessing to the church. That, that's one of the major things. It was not, not only our children and her being there for them, but also the church. Because there's just been a lot that she has not been able to take part in. And especially being the pastor's wife. And so, you know, uh, thank you for your prayers. And thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord to allow this endeavor to take place. Um, with that, I'm excited to share that we're going to be in Revelation chapter 7 this morning. We'll be looking at verses 9 down through 17. Uh, so when you get there, if you can, please stand for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 down through 17. And did I, forgot to, did I forget to say it's beautiful to see all your faces? <laughs> Clothed in Christ, that's what I've entitled this message clothed in Christ. Okay, starting in verse 9, and it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power. And might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we just thank you, Lord, that we're able to see your truth. Lord, you, you've opened up the eyes of our hearts. We're, we're not blind to the spiritual truths that are so uh, pre- prevalent in this life that we live, in this world. And Lord, we thank you that you have a plan that is so magnificent that it encompasses taking away all of our pain, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our hurt, all of our tears. There's going to come a day when all that will be washed and wiped away forever. And Lord, so as we go through this passage this morning, I just pray, Lord, that you would illuminate our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we would be able to rightly divide your word, that you would show us the personal application for every single person sitting in this room. And may we leave this place encouraged and built up, Lord. We we stand in the fortified (laughs) presence of you, Lord, and we have the power of you living in us. So, Lord, we just thank you and we honor you, Lord. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his precious, mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. This is a a very uh, encouraging passage. This is a very revealing passage of just the love of God. And how, again, he always keeps his promises. The Lord is so good and he's so gracious to us. Last week we learned about the 144,000 from the uh, different tribes of Israel. And how they will be saved during the great tribulation. How the Lord keeps every promise that he's ever made. No matter how long it takes. You may be sitting here today and say, Lord, I'm waiting. (laughs) I'm waiting on that promise. Well, hey, just hold on. Many times the Lord is just telling us to just hold on, stand still, stand firm on the rock of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Don't give up. Now now is not the time to give up. This is the worst time, (laughs) if you're alive today in the history of the world, to throw in the towel on Jesus Christ. Don't do it. Do not do it. That is very interesting and uh, about this whole thing about him keeping his promises. And I, and I didn't understand it really in, until recently, but it's a twofold promise. On the one hand, God will come through for his people in his time, no matter how bleak the situation and the circumstances look. But by the same token, the Lord God Almighty will come through and render righteous judgment upon an unbelieving world. You see, it's twofold in that. He's not only going to save people, but he's also going to come through and he's going to strike. <laughs> he's going to strike the wicked down. It's just, uh, it, it's going to happen. You see, there are those in their foolishness, they mock Jesus Christ and his followers. They say, I'm sure you've heard this. Where is he? Where's your God? How come he hasn't come back yet? You know, I, I don't know what we were watching. Oh, we were watching Like Mike 2 a while ago with Bow Wow. <laughs> my, my son's on this basketball hype right now. He had to get, uh, he wanted new basketball shoes and he wanted a basketball. And now we've been taking him to the school and he's shooting hoops, you know, Like Mike. And, you know, there, there's, a little, there's a little scene in there and, and, and they're, they're orphans. Little, uh, little Bow Wow's an orphan. <laughs> And he's like, he's watching the Fresh Prince of, Be- Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he said, I want to get adopted like a fam- to a family like that. And then uh, the other one of the guys, he's a bully. He's like, man, you know, nothing ever happens to us. We're like, we're like dogs. And, uh, you know, he goes on to say, well, who do you know that has been an orphan that's been, you know, uh, adopted? 
And the first person Bow Wow says is Moses. And they laugh. They bust out laughing. I just thought that was interesting because even in that movie, something as small as that, it's like the world looks at godly things and they laugh at it. They mock it. Just like Noah in Noah's day. They mocked Noah. We don't know what rain is. And you're out here, you're building this big old ark, this big old, I don't even know, they don't even, I don't even know if they called it that back then. They didn't know what it was. They never saw a structure that big. But though they laughed, God will not be mocked. You see, one day all will be made right and Jesus Christ alone will have the final say. Amen. Amen. Today we will look at a great multitude of believers from every tribe, nation, and language that will come to faith in Jesus Christ during the great tribulation. They will be clothed in Christ and secured in him for all eternity. That, that, that's, that's, that's the understanding that we get of what these white robes are. It, it's being clothed in Jesus Christ, washed spotless by the blood of the Lamb. And as we go through this passage this morning, look for how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. You have to ask yourself this question. I have to ask myself this question. Today, are we excited to praise God and to thank Him for your salvation and my salvation in Jesus Christ and all the wonderful provisions He provides for us. Just think about it again. If you got up this morning and if you took a shower this morning or if you took a shower last night, he gave you fresh running water. You probably took a warm shower. I like warm showers. Maybe you took a cold one. Maybe that wakes you up. Either way, you had water to clean your body with. You had food to put in your belly. You had clothes to put on your backs. It's a beautiful thing. Are you looking forward to the day where there will be no more pain and no more tears? All right. We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. Salvation belongs to the one and true living God and his son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is a fundamental principle in the Christian faith, but not one that could ever be overlooked. We could never grow to the place where we're like, I just know that. And it becomes a backseat. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the crux of your faith and my faith. Without this fundamental principle, Christianity is nothing more than a social club. The word of God is clear. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a very bold statement to make. You say that out in the world nowadays, you are going to catch so much backlash. People are going to want to smash on you so hard. Let them. Let them. Because it is the truth. And it's the truth that cuts. That's why people, ah, even if you just say the word sin, just tell somebody at your work on Monday, did you just sin? Oh, man, woo, you're going to cause fireworks. No, don't say that because then <laughs> you, you might have to go to your employer and it's just going to be a whole, a whole, whole barrage of just not good stuff. But, but I'm saying just the, the mention of that word sin, oh, it just makes people cringe. We don't want to hear it because it's cutting, because it's true, because it's clear. It's crystal clear. You see, in this portion of scripture here, Jesus was speaking to Thomas. 
And the Lord made it clear to him that because Thomas knew Jesus Christ, Thomas knew the Father. Without a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, no one, and I mean no one, can receive salvation and a right relationship with God the Father. This is the great debate, or should I say the great lie that Satan has planted in the minds of humans since the beginning with Adam and Eve. To question or to doubt the authority of truthfulness of the scripture. To doubt, to question. Uh, what did, did God really say? Is that what he told Eve? Did God really say? trying to get her to, to come out of agreement with, what, with what, what God had revealed to her. You see, if Satan can get you to reason and doubt just for a second that Jesus Christ is not the only way to heaven, he has got you or got me hook, line, and sinker. We're like a fish. We're about to just get dragged wherever the one who's holding that fishing pole wants to take us. If he can get you for a second to doubt. This is the reality with all the other world religions and false gods. You see, this is pantheism at its fundamental roots. And if you're not familiar with pantheism, it's simply worship that admits or tolerates all gods. Oh, everybody's God. You can have whatever God you want. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. We, we, we believe right along with you. You see... Satan is slick and sly, just like a serpent, <laughs> just like a serpent. You know, he won't come outright and deny Jesus Christ. No, that's too, that's too risky for him. You see, because people could spot that from a mile away. If he just came out with the blanket statement, Jesus Christ is not the Messiah. You see, it's not necessarily that he tries to deny that Jesus Christ is the son of God. But it's that he'll say, oh, yes, you can get to heaven by Jesus Christ, but you can also get to heaven by all these other gods, too. And this is why you and I, especially in the days that we're living in, we must love and endure sound doctrine. You got to love the doctrinal teachings found in the Bible. Like I said, when, 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 when you share with someone... Okay, a young couple, you guys are planning to get married. If y'all are sleeping together or living together, it's sin. <laughs> Don't do it. You're not going to, you, you're, you're missing out on so much blessing. Just wait till you get married. Speed up the process and get married if you can't hand, you know, hold on to it. But the reality is those are, those are biblical principles. That's sound doctrine right there. When, when we talk about the remission of sin and the forgiveness of sin, repentance is necessary for salvation. Those are foundational doctrinal principles that we must love. And we're seeing in the world today, people are watering that down. Watering it down. Taking bits and pieces and chunks sometimes and claiming it as the whole truth. I'll share this real quick. I believe Lucy would be okay with me sharing it. So she works as a, uh, she does janitorial service at, at, at some church, uh, you know, for some side income. And she had mentioned that one of the administrative ladies was there and she was talking to her. And the lady said, oh, I got a great deal on these Bibles. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know the price, but I got a great deal. And she said, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're all the New Testament. 
New Testament's great. And Lucy made a comment about, you know, well, what about the Old Testament? And the lady said, we don't give the Old Testament to new converts because we don't want to scare them. That's a den of Satan. Keep it real, that's a den of Satan. What? Go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, I've heard it said to me a very long time ago. If I struggle with in the beginning God, then I'm going to just struggle with faith and God and Jesus Christ and all that because it's like I'm already doubting. I'm like, oh, there's got to be another way. Um, and it's the big, big bang theory. It's this, it's that. And another thing with that, it's very interesting. If we came from apes, if a fish turned into an ape and then the ape turned into a person, why are there still apes? Right? I mean, I'm not smashing on it. I'm just pointing out clear, clear realities. We didn't come from some monkey, man. You know, my heavenly father is glorious and a wonderful creator. And he's the designer that designed me perfectly the way he see fit and designed you exactly the way he wanted you. That's where you come from. You know, just come from some cosmic slop that just happened to be. No, it's not the case. But I share this whole situation that, that Lucy uh, actually shared it with me last Sunday after service because we see, what, what are you talking about? We don't give the Old Testament. We don't go through the Old Testament. Man, that's just, it takes, I've heard it said before many times, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. There's so much rich truth in the Old Testament. Praise God that we're not governed under the law. Yes, there's freedom from the law. The law, the law is a tutor, and a tutor it, it, it points us to Christ because we know we can't even keep, keep one commandment. But, but the whole fact is the Old Testament is just there's so much prophetic truth in it. There's so many life lessons that can be learned in it. You need it. I need it. Real churches need to stand up. We need to love and endure sound doctrine. Because no matter what any man says, God is the only one who is correct. Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation and the only way to heaven. I have to share this because I, I did some research. I, I've mentioned this several weeks back, but I did some research and, and I have to share these statistics because it's very staggering. And you as, as pillars in the church, you as maturing saints, we have to be very prayerful. That's why I, I opened with talking about prayer is so it's such a necessity. I talked about it last week. Intercessory prayers like the Mike Tyson punch out on steroids, you know, because it's so powerful. And yet so many Christians don't pray. Why are we not praying? We're stressing out, but we don't pray about it. We need to be praying. Check this out. Trip out on this. Nearly 70% of born-again Christians disagree with the biblical position that Jesus is the only way to God. According to a, a new survey from Probe Ministries, a nonprofit that seeks to help the church in renewing the minds of believers with a Christian worldview. The survey, which looked at religious beliefs and attitudes toward cultural behavior, polled 3,106 Americans age 18 to 55 from all religious groups including 717 respondents who identified as born-again Christians. Born-again respondents were identified based on their affirmation response to the question, have you ever made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ that is still important in your life today? They also were identified by their belief about what happens after they die. Born-again believers agreed, I will go to heaven because I confess my sins and accept Jesus as my Savior. Despite this claim... By the self-identified born-again Christians in the study, however, among all of the respondents, 18 to 39, who professed 
an affiliation with some religion, fewer than one out of five of them strongly disagreed with the statement that Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus all taught valid ways to God. What a shame. 70%. 70%. What is wrong with that? So you see, yeah, it's false. So you see the people here in this room, and I'm not saying we need to stay huddled up and, oh, we're just in our, our holy huddle. But you, you need to love the people that you see that are enduring sound doctrine because it's so, it, 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 it's becoming more and more where that's not the case. And you and I need to be girded up in the truth so when that time comes and we're tested, we're going to be able to endure. And we're not just going to fold and say, oh, okay, yeah, I, I agree with you that you could get to heaven anyway. No, it doesn't matter if it's going to cost you your job. Look at the saints of old. It cost them, many of them, their lives. They died for what they believed in. That's why when Michelle said, oh, yeah, you whatever, you know, mask, no mask. I get it, but it's nothing compared to where people are getting killed over their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And we get to go home and rest and chill and look at the beautiful sun and turn on the TV and, you know, do all that. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to make you feel bad about the situation you're in, because God placed you here in America, in Northern California, in the Bay Area for a reason. What I'm saying is there's just a heaviness and a seriousness to it. When you read something that says 70 percent of born-again Christians are saying there's another way to heaven other than Jesus Christ? Well, I guess this is what happens when we take God out of the schools, prayer out of schools, God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, take the Pledge of Allegiance out of the schools. <laughs> you got people hanging up, you know, uh, the, the, the um, you know, the, the I want to say it, I don't, whatever, I don't know, the LGB, the whatever, the, they misrepresent and they use the rainbow flag and they're over there saying, stand up, what is going on? But, you know, again, we shouldn't be surprised because, right, we live in a fallen world, right? But all the more reason to be rooted in Christ. And, and when you're engaging with people, engage with them. See the, see the, the, the heaviness of what's, what's, what's weighing. Their salvation, their soul weighs in the balance. And you may be that link that can, that can be used to open up the door where, where they can know Jesus more or even consider him or say yes to Christ. Amen? You know, it's like, I'm cool with people that come here. Come here. We can invite people too. Invite people. I don't, I, don't, I mean, it's not, it's not on the Lord. I don't, I'm not looking for this church to get big. I'm looking for this church to grow deep roots in Christ. And if people want to know the truth about Jesus, they're going to hear it here. Lord willing, <laughs> you know, they're not going to hear some some wishy washy doctrine. They're going to hear the truth of who Jesus Christ is. All right. The second main point is this. To be clothed in white robes is to be washed clean of your sins in the blood of Jesus Christ. Three times we see the mention of white robes being worn by these believers from every tribe, culture, language and tongue. We must remember that some of what is written in the book of Revelation is symbolic we see that these saints have washed their garments in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is the blood of Jesus that makes their robes white. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 4, Jesus promised the few faithful people in Sardis, those who had not defiled their garments, that they would walk with him dressed in white. God has been clothing people throughout history since Adam and Eve. From the moment they disconnected from the trinity remember adam and eve lost the special outfit that god had made uh made them 
It was the eternal fabric of his glory. They had broken fellowship with God because of their choice to sin against God. You see, a person's character, who you truly are, who, what you act out, what you live out, your integrity factor, right? A person's character reflects where their heart is and what things are actually important to them. The blameless character we develop while on earth here is the only thing that we will be able to take with us when we are physically transformed in a blink of an eye when Jesus comes. That's it. We're not taking any of this other stuff. Yes, it's good to, you know, uh, have things. It's good to set up a trust fund for your kids if you can afford it. But, you know, we want to leave a lasting legacy. And the best legacy you could ever leave for your children and your family is faith in Jesus Christ. And it's lived out and it's remembered by how they see you. How do they see mom and dad act? How do they see older brother and sister act? How do they see grandma and grandpa act? What are they doing? How do they talk? Are you praying before your meals? Do you do, you do Bible studies with your children? Do you carve out time and, and show them, model for them? This is important. Yes, we can do all these other activities. And yes, they're fun and yes, they're cool. But where's Jesus in the mix? If it's all about go, 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 do, 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 and Jesus is left to the side, then what is it? Again, we make time for what is important. And that blameless character is our outfit. That outfit is the white robes which the righteous of Jesus Christ are given to every saved saint. As Revelation chapter 7 verse 14 suggests, it is not the efforts that we put in the act of washing and scrubbing that make the outfits white. We are not capable of making our garments white no matter how hard we work. I know there's hard workers in here, right? And no matter how hard you work at trying to clean yourself up, you can't clean yourself up. You have to throw yourself upon the mercy seat of Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness and say, save me, Lord. Help me. Make me right. I can't do it. I'm still to this day, there's, there's things and issues I have with, you know, uh, certain, you know, temperaments and attitudes that I can have, you know, with my children and sometimes maybe even with my wife where I'm like, Lord, help me. I, I don't want to be this person. I should see different fruit. I don't want to be that way. But I have to throw myself upon the mercy seat of Christ and ask him to do that working within me. And then I got to act in obedience and do it. And this is what we see going on here with these saints. We are only called to bring our robe to the vessel containing the solution that can permanently remove sin stains and make it blameless. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember, amen. Remember the blood of the lamb at the doorpost frame right before the exodus. That's what saved those who believed in God's instructions. Belief, obedience, and trust expressed by that blood on the door saved Israel from the last plague and allowed the people to be delivered from the Egyptians. For the end times, Christians, Christ, excuse me, for the end time, Christ's sacrifice is the only way to salvation. Romans chapter 5 verses 9 and 10 tell us this. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies and were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? You see, 
Jesus Christ replaces our shortcomings with his perfection. And it's that perfection which he presents to his father. So it's, it's just, it's super cool in the sense that you don't have to earn it. Now that does, that's, not a, that's not a write-off so you could just be a lazy bum and do nothing and be, spiritual, be a spiritual sloth. No, contrary to that. If anything, that's going to make you just have a strong desire to want to serve God because you recognize what you've been saved from. That's what happened to Paul. He was so honored because he's like, man, Lord, you, you've given me so much grace, so much mercy. I, I want to serve you. It comes out of that changing of the heart and recognizing what you've been saved from that you just are propelled into loving people, propelled into doing the service of God. And it doesn't matter if anybody recognizes it or not. You're not looking over your shoulders for attaboys. And, and oh man, why well, did this? And how come, they don't, how come they don't acknowledge me? Don't worry about it. You have an audience of one. I have an audience of one. His name is Jesus Christ. If he's happy with you, who cares what men and women say? You're serving your family. You're serving your husband. He's not appreciative. Who, it's, you know what? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord in faith. Maybe you're, you, feel, you feel neglected by your children. You're just doing so much and they're just at a place where you're just not even acknowledging it. You're serving the living God. And it's your humility that will make a difference one day. They will remember. Man, that's what my mom did all those years. That's what my dad did all those years. That's what my, my nana did all these years. And it will make a difference. The third main point is this. In heaven, believers will never hunger and thirst again. Here on earth is it's more of a challenge to fully understand this reality. Because you see here we're constantly battling our carnal nature. We're all, we're all in it. <laughs> right? There's no way. We're, we're pulled left and right all the time because our carnal nature is always crying out to be gratified. We have to actively say no to gratify, gratifying our flesh, while at the same time daily feeding our souls. Jesus was clear when opposing Satan in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's, 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 right, it's, it's in the book. It's right there. You see, here on earth, if we live only by sight feeding our flesh, we will be void of the spiritual lives we were created to live. Humans are created in the image of God, meant to live in constant fellowship with Him. Again, that communion, that whole uh, the concept of praying, that's what prayer really is. That's what praying without ceasing is, is you're always communing with God. You're always communing with God. And, and, you're, and your signal should be off the charts you should be whatever, 100,000 G, not no 5 G. You never drop a call. You're just on it because you're just close with God and he's close with you. That's how it should be. You see, once we are saved, we begin the process of regeneration where this relationship begins here on earth with Jesus Christ through the consuming of the word. We should have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. I mean, it should... It should, be, it should be just something where just, oh, I need the word of God in my life. I need to feast on the word of God. John chapter 6 verse 35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see, when we come into true fellowship and communion with Jesus Christ as our lifestyle, 
It is then we are feasting on the wisdom and the insight that he alone provides. This is how we no longer hunger and thirst again. Because Jesus Christ is the only one who can truly satisfy the hunger and thirst and craving that we have. Now I know that we, there's things we like to do. There's things I like to do. There's things I'd like to have. But I'll tell you, as time has gone on, those things have lost their luster. And I don't have such a strong desire. It's like, it's all good. If, if it happens, it happens. If I get it, I get it. It doesn't matter. You know? It's not a big deal. I, I, I'll, be, I'll be real. We recently were able to get a PS5. It's been a long time waiting for that thing. But you know what? It wasn't a big deal. And not now it's like, I'm like my, my son plays it more than me. I'm not tripping on it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, my life's not right. I'm not, I'm not going to spend $1,000 for this stinking gaming system because all these bots are going on the internet and, and, and taking them so they can resell them. It's not that deep. I was like, man, pfft. Whatever. If it happens, it happens. It's a big deal. It's just a game. It's just, it's just something to pass the time. But I'm not, I'm not consumed by it. And, and these things, they, they start to lose their luster as the more you get in with the Lord. But it's like every day I'm on my knees. <laughs> every day I'm in the Word. Every day I'm asking the Lord, fill me with wisdom. I need wisdom. I need your love. Help me to love people. That's what's consuming my life. It's not the stuff. You see, he's the only one who can fill that God-sized hole in all of us. This is why in heaven, believers will no longer hunger or thirst again. Because we're going to be filled with him. We're going to be in his presence forever. Oh, that's so beautiful. You won't have to hear me preach to listen to Jesus. All right. Verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Okay, so we see this first portion of this uh, this verse where it says "A a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes peoples and languages this diversity here is evident that the great commission will be fulfilled before the end as jesus promised matthew chapter 24 verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come as of september 2020 the full bible has been translated in 704 different languages This is just another clear example of the word of God being prophetic and coming to pass. Because John knew that they came from different nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. We know that there will be differences among people in heaven, just as here on earth. The application is this. We will not all be the same. We will all be individuals. But this is the difference between biblical diversity and worldly tolerance you see tolerance and inclusivity are being shoved down our throats right now in society like never before if you stand firm on biblical moral principles the world will say you are unloving even some twisted churches will say that the fact remains we are diverse ethnically But our common ground is our desperate need for Jesus Christ. An example of this is just look around you. (laughs) 
look at our look at the church where we serve at. And I praise God that we are not all one race. The fact that we are culturally diverse is a testament to the truth of his word going forth. It is. It truly is. It's a diverse group of people. We are supposed to be diverse in ethnicity, but we are one in spirit, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Standing before the next uh, statement is standing before the throne and before the lamb. Again, John saw everything in heaven in reference to the throne of God. This is one aspect of their joy that God has a throne that he sits upon it. And then he rules over all things and all things do his bidding. Speaking of God, the father, the central thought of heaven is divine sovereignty. Next, we see this statement, clothed with white robes. Again, these robes remind us not only of the covering righteousness of Jesus Christ, but also of priestly service. They are set apart from the world for his holy service. They wear white robes, that is, they are covered with Jesus Christ, filled with him and covered by his righteousness, fitted for their priestly service. That's a beautiful thing. That's for us as well as believers today. Next, we see palm branches, this statement of palm branches. This reminds us of Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Um, If you can, Lou, you can put it up on the screen. I don't know if I'm going to read this whole thing. It's a few verses, but John chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. We all know this. It's when, you know, uh, Jesus came in. They cried out, Hosanna. They laid the palm branches down. He was on the young, young donkey's colt. Um, and, and this went on before he went into Jerusalem. Palm branches were emblems of victory. That's what they meant in, in, in the olden days, in biblical times. The application is this. This shows us that this great multitude celebrated a great victory. The palm The sign of triumph indicates a conflict and a conquest. As on earth, palm trees or palm branches would not be given if not won. So we should understand that the Lord would not have distributed the prize unless there had been a preceding warfare and a victory. So they're going to go through some stuff. These tribulation saints are going to go through a lot. It's going to be very difficult for them, but they're going to endure and they're going to receive these palms and these, uh, their glorified selves in these white robes that are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. From the very fact that the glorified saints carry palms, we can see that they endured hardness. Next, we see this statement, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Having an emblem of righteousness, again, the white robes, they worship God for salvation. The application is this. They recognize that God is the source of salvation and no one else. You see, again, salvation isn't something that you earn. It's something that God gives you. It's a free gift. Sometimes believers on earth take their salvation almost for granted. But it isn't true of this great multitude in heaven. And that's why I'm saying all the time, you know, we need to we need to be plugged in we need to be turned up in the lord meaning we're 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 understanding what's going on and we don't take all these little things for granted all these many blessings all these many blessings where we have been been given opportunity to talk to people i know that we have loved ones in our family that aren't saved if you have the time to talk to them and share with them and model for them what it is to be a christian don't take that for granted 
because there's going to come a time when you're not going to have that opportunity anymore. Amen? All right, verses 11 and 12. It says, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. All right, so this statement, all the angels, the elders and the four living creatures, they all worship God. As this great multitude worship God, the others in heaven are compelled to join their voices as well in praising him. All created beings around the throne join in. <laughs> they're, all, they're all on the same wavelength. The application is this. In this portion of scripture, we get a tiny glimpse of when we come together as the body of Christ and worship him through song and praise. Think about just this morning. You know, as Michelle said, man, it was a blessing to her heart to hear everybody singing and praising the Lord without some whatever cloth covering your face to where you can't really hear. It's muffled. But here today, this morning, you heard clearly, you know, the echoes and the bellowing of whatever you were expressing to the Lord, even in those words. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. There's something about being around others and expressing ourselves through sounds and words that is simply powerful. Think of music concerts or sporting events. You got 60, 70, 80, 90, 100,000 people singing along to some song or chanting some cheer. It's very powerful and influential. Almost mob mentality-like. And many times it's for the wrong reasons, to glorify men, to glorify humans. But in heaven, worship will be untainted. The righteous one who sits on the throne and the lamb that was slain will be worshipped and adored. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor and power and might. That's the next statement we see here. As these other created beings here heard the worship the great multitude brings uh, to God they see more clearly the power of his wisdom and his majesty and his might they can worship God all the more by seeing the salvation he brings to the great multitude there's something extremely encouraging about being around other believers isn't it it's just being around other people who really trust in Jesus it's so much better than always being alone you know we were created for fellowship with God and with one another. And when you get around other believers, especially when, in your, when you're walking through a season or, of, of a personal valley in your life, the Lord can use someone else to help you get your eyes back on Jesus Christ. The energy of their praise and their worship becomes infectious and it leads you to stop wallowing in self-pity and focusing your energy on the God who created you. That's what happens when you stay in fellowship with the Lord and with one another. We shouldn't be just drifting off and, man, I, I ain't talked to old boy in eight months. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. I get it. You know, uh, if, you know, people got things, you know, and, and life's kind of, you're just in a season where you're not here every week. That's fine. But stay connected. Stay in fellowship with one another. It's very important it's for your spiritual well-being. 
that you stay connected. And I know we don't have a midweek service, but that's where, you know, uh, the, thir- the Thursday night men's group and, and, you know, the couple women's groups that we offer, that, that's why we have those. So people can be connected because it's very important. You know, you know the National Geographic videos where, you know, you got the wildebeest and you got the beautiful lioness. She's hunting for her family. And who does the lioness go after? <laughs> who, Daniel? I know you want to say who. Who does she go after? Exactly. She's going to go after the one straggling behind, man. Was messing with the tulips too much and drinking from the, you know, drinking from the water hole too long. Everyone else bucked out. They're like, we're gone. You don't, you didn't hear the stampede, man. Your dinner, <laughs> you know, it, it, that's what happens with us. We got to stay connected, you know, stay connected. All right. Uh, verses 13 and 14. Here we go. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Okay, we see this statement. Then one of the elders answered. It was important that John knew the identity of this great multitude. But he didn't know that he should ask. So one of the elders prompted him actually to do this. And again, we see this next statement. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. The vast multitude from every tribe and tongue and nation, those are rescued for God's kingdom in the period of the great tribulation. And they definitely had much trouble during the great tribulation. Um, The ancient word, the ancient Greek grammar here is uh, the, it's, it's, uh, it's emphatic. This was a time of great tribulation for this multitude. This leads many to believe that most, if not all of these martyrs are from the great tribulation. The application is this. The presence of so many tribulation saints is a powerful statement of God's grace and mercy. Even in this time of judgment and wrath upon the earth, many will be saved. Man, that's a, that's a really gracious God. I mean, he's coming to administer righteous judgment. Everyone that's here deserves it. They all deserve to die. And yet there's still people getting saved. That's a, that's a very merciful God. You think about your own life. What have you been saved from? Where, where did Jesus find you when you were at the lowest point in your life? And what did he do? He didn't say, oh, you got to be perfect. Oh, man, look at you. Look at your background. He just he just lifted his put his hand down and he he took you up out of the muck and the mire and cleaned you up and loved on you and cared for you and began this restoration process, this regeneration process in your life. Man, that's a that's a that's just a merciful God. That's a loving, loving, good, good father. Amen. Because this great multitude are mentioned right after the 144,000, many think they are at least in part due to the work of those 144,000 Jewish servants of God. Perhaps the 144,000 are evangelists who helped reap this huge harvest for the kingdom during the Great Tribulation. That we don't know. The Bible is not specific in the details. But nonetheless, we know that they come right after the 144,000 are saved. Next, we see the statement, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
Those saved in the great tribulation are saved just like everyone else, just like you and me today in this building, by the blood of the Lamb. Even if they are martyred, their martyrdom does not save them. It doesn't save them. Only the work of Jesus can cleanse and save an individual. The application is this. No one is saved by their own works or their own effort. True followers of Jesus Christ have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. She knows. There is nowhere else to turn to for forgiveness of sin other than Jesus Christ. White by blood. This is an interesting phrase. Because we don't think of things being made white by the application of blood. We just think it's super stained. Even though we have the technology now. With, what is it? The, what is it? The OxyClean Woolite. You can get some blood out. <laughs> but, but you know, we're, we're talking spiritually here. But he's saying that the blood of the Lamb makes us white. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. I, I love this verse. And many of you, I'm sure this is probably one of your life verses as well. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's what Jesus does for us. That's why you don't have to live in the past. That's why you don't have to be badgered and beat up by things that you've done. We've all done things that we're ashamed of. But those things aren't, you're not bound by those things anymore. And that's how you can tell clearly who you're hearing from. If you're hearing, you know, you're getting knocked on, you're getting, you know, beat up, you're getting badgered. That's a demonic spirit trying to hinder the work of the Lord in your life. But if you're hearing, keep going encourage you, uh, you know, <laughs> my mercies are new every morning, giving you a fresh outlook, get in the word, and that's the Holy Spirit trying to encourage you, not beat you up, you know, loving on you, and that's, that's what we need, you know, that's what we need, we need from the Lord, and we need to do it for other people, <laughs> well, that's the reason why we're still here, amen, all right, <clears throat> I'm wrapping it up with these last two verses, 15 and 17, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They are before the throne of God. In heaven, the redeemed enjoy the immediate presence of God. They can come right into the throne room and be with God. There are no barriers between them and God. There are no wait lists. We got a lot of waiting lists. <laughs> wait lists for a lot of stuff. Not in heaven. It is all because of the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we have access to the throne of God. Matthew chapter 27 Verse 51 tells us, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The veil being torn signifies the barrier of sin being torn away because Jesus Christ paid the debt. Paid the debt we could never repay. But nonetheless, the debt was paid, and so that veil is gone. We have full access to Jesus Christ. No weird black box. <laughs> 
I'm not knocking. I'm just saying you don't got to go into some dark room. You got full access to God the Father straight up any time of day. Cooking an omelet, sitting on the toilet, watching TV, going to 7-Eleven, pumping gas. You're there with him the whole time and he's with you. Amen. That's why when we're in sin, oh, we 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 we're trying to run, we're trying to get away the guilt. Ah, he's there. Confess, and then you're good. All right, and serve him day and night in heaven. The redeemed serve God. We don't know exactly how, but they do. Heaven is not only a place of rest from earthly toil, but also a place of privileged service. Since you will be in a glorified eternal state unhindered by the effects of sin, I personally don't think you're ever even going to get tired. You're not. Because fatigue is an effect of the fallen sinful nature we live in. But in heaven, it will be a different story. We'll be charged up (laughs) all the time. All the time. Oh, man, it's going to be... I mean, if you're a go person, you're going to go in heaven. You're just going to be on another level. That's pretty cool. He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. In heaven, God will dwell with his people. This is the ultimate fulfillment of King David's great desire in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The application is this, to be in the presence of God forever. This should truly be our goal. Today, what is it that you desire the most? No matter what it is, the only way you can truly be satisfied is by living your life in the presence of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's it. That's it. I mean, I can take all the vacations I want. <laughs> I can make all the money I want, leave my job, do this, do that, buy all these things. I'm not going to be satisfied. I just told y'all we got a PS5 and it's not satisfying. It's cool, but it ain't satisfying. I just had a super good meal. What did Veronica make last night? Uh, spaghetti squash. Man, if you're trying to like get away from carbs, man, she just slapped some meat on there. That was so delicious, but it only fulfilled me for a, a moment, you know? I think of Esau. Man, you know, gave away his birthright for some lentils, not even spaghetti squash. <laughs> All right, I'm almost done. In, in heaven, those who are redeemed will know the loving care and nurture of their Savior. He will protect them from every, every affliction. Excuse me. They, they will not hunger. They will not thirst. And the sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. He will provide for them their every need, leading them to living foundations of water. John chapter 4, verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never Be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, Jesus does shepherd us now and he is close to us and cares for us now. But in heaven, it will be so much more. I I like this quote from Charles Spurgeon. The true Christian life when we live near to God is the rough draft of the life of full communion above. We are seen 
We have seen the artist make with his pencil or with his charcoal a bare outline of his picture. It is nothing more, but still one could guess what the finished picture will be from the, scre from the sketch before you. Excuse me. Down here on earth is the dress rehearsal, so to speak. And the last portion as uh, Isaiah and, and Michelle come up, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, in heaven, those who are saved will know no more sorrow or pain. The hurt and the struggle of this earthly life are gone and tears will be a thing of the past because God will wipe away every tear. The application is this. What tender love is this? We think of a mother's loving hand brushing away the tears from her child's face. God loves us with this kind of nurturing care. In this earth, we have our fair share of pain and tears to endure and bring to God. He shows us his love now with sweet comfort and strength for our tears. But one day in heaven, not now, he will wipe away them all forever. This passage does not have the idea that in heaven we will weep over our wasted life or unconfessed sin. But God will still wipe those tears away. That idea may be a powerful guilt-induced motivator, but it has nothing to do with the meaning of this verse. The point is that the grief of tears of the past, speaking of their trials and tribulation, will be over when we go to heaven. God will wipe away every tear resulting from suffering and pain on this earth. And we'll be at peace truly forever. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you that you are the way maker. Lord, you're Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You're our strong tower. You're our mighty rock. You're our strong fortress. We look to you for all things. And Lord, you provide such an abundance of, of things we need. And we're so grateful. The most important need is salvation. And you give it freely. You give it freely to any would, that would humble themselves and truly accept the gift of salvation. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would be those that if we have not received that gift, that we would today. And I pray that if we already have, that we would humble ourselves and continue to walk in service so that those around us may experience this beautiful gift. May we not hoard it. We're not to hoard it, to keep it to ourselves. You said if we don't praise you, even the rocks will cry out. May we live in a way that those around us are affected by our love for you, Jesus, and they would see that love for you is only because you loved us first. And may they receive that love. May they be healed. May they be forgiven of their sins. May they be accepted in the family of God. And may they come to know you as the one who loves them. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.